we doubt ourselves, we doubt our partner so strongly, so harshly that it actually creates a fracture. It breaks up the trust in our relationship. Welcome to the Ignited Recovery Podcast, a new way forward for anyone looking for answers but feeling left out. If you've been searching for empowerment, triumph, and purpose, you've found them right here. You won't hear the same solutions and you're not going to have any excuses to fall back on because Ignited Recovery allows heroes to rise and become their best selves. I'm Dr. Adi Jaffe and I can't wait to be your guide on this journey. Are you ready to become an Ignited Hero? We went to see a play yesterday. We're in New York, so... One of those things you're supposed to do when you're in New York is go see a play. And we did. We went to see a play that got recommended to us. I had no idea what it was really about. We didn't even look it up. We just, somebody recommended that we go see it. And so we did. And uh, it was called Hades Town. So for those who are mythology buffs, I have a sense of what we're walking into. But other than that, not much. And it was essentially a modern retelling of the Orpheus. So we've got my wife and I, and then our 12-year-old, well, almost 12, who's really into reading anything. So Greek mythology, you know, Roman mythology, older um, tales, very much into Harry Potter and that whole magical universe. And that's kind of why things were recommended to us. In the first place was the idea was a fantasy-focused sort of um, play, which was really exciting. And then I have uh, my almost 10-year-old, doesn't really love reading. He's a good reader, but doesn't really love reading. Kind of like being playful and you know, dancing and all this kind of like he's very active athlete more than anything. And then my four-year-old daughter, I didn't know why at the time, but four was even the lowest age they would let a kid sit in there. So we were, we got in under the wire and um, and sat down. We're all really really excited to go see a play in New York, obviously. So we go sit down, and the thing starts out, and it's um. They start right off the bat with songs, right? Like right off the bat, it started as a, as a musical. Not gonna lie, musicals are not my favorite genre of plays. And the reason is simple. I really get into the story. I love stories, always have. I, I was a reader as, at a young age, just like my son. And um, so I just wanna hear the story and I want the nuance of the story. And, that, and it, but what was really cool about it as they started going, they had set the scene, I don't think my son got this, but they had set the scene almost like a like a New Orleans, Southern, kind of black with a twist. The, the singing was almost gospel. The dancing was very, um, it was strong, very, very, very strong presence for the dancers and singers. And then the storytelling started and they did, they told the Orpheus story as it is, with obviously the set being this modern, this more modern set. When this thing starts off, for anybody who doesn't know the story, they tell of um, Hermes or Hermes, the, the god that escorted people down to hell. In this setup, instead of having a boat, he had a train that he let people on. Um, and they told the story of Hades. This is a relationship, I swear to God, this is a relationship lesson, I promise. So. Hades was the king of the underground. He was a god and he was um, tasked, right? He kind of 
got the job of overseeing hell for all intents and purposes. And so he's underground. Hey, that's his kingdom. He gets to control it. He gets to do whatever he wants in there. Well, unfortunately for him, he falls in love with a woman who uh, lives above ground, but he doesn't get to go above ground. And Persephone, um, I think also the daughter of, um, of, a, of a goddess, but I, I, I may be completely wrong on that, falls in love with her. She's all about sunlight. She's all about beauty. She's all about flowers and, and greenery and, and joy and fun and enjoyment. When they fall in love, they fall in love. He brings her to the underground and the world almost dies. Nothing grows. It's perpetual winter all the time. And, you know, Hades is the king of the underworld of, of hell. So not exactly the most giving sort of guy, not warm, we'll say. But he ends up making a deal where Persephone gets to go above ground for six months out of the year. So he spent six months with her and she spent six months above. And that was the mythological reason for seasons right? Winter, fall, as she leaves, and then she comes back, and you've got spring and summer, and then she has to go back. And so the whole story starts out really setting the scene for that and making it more about their love, right? The love that they have for each other. And I'm, I'm there, you know, with, with my brain kind of analyzing this stuff. And it's almost like this deal they had to make in order to be able to spend time together they had to give up some of their time so that the world that she loves and her mom and the rest of the people that really relied on her joy and light wouldn't have to give up on it forever and then perish themselves. Cause it was like winter storms and severe winter the entire time when she wasn't up above ground. So that was the deal they made. He was not happy every time she had to leave and she was not happy every time she had to come back which was a really interesting kind of dichotomy to understand there, right? They loved each other. And yet there was so much tension and so much, that relationship was so fraught with um, almost just a mismatched couple. So that's the background for the story that we're listening to. And then uh, Orpheus was also the son of a god, uh, goddess and um, an amazing musician and poet, but really poor, had nothing really materially to offer but was this genius musician and he falls in love um with a woman who just kind of comes across his path and they they have this really beautiful poetic romantic love affair and as they grow in that love what ends up happening is him he being this kind of genius poet musician etc he He's working on a song. He's working on his project. He's working on this thing that means the world to him. And in this instance, it's a song that will realign the universe, the world, right? When he sings this song, when he spits out this melody, when he plays his, he was playing a guitar, but the lyre is the, the instrument in the myth, flowers bloom. Even in the dead of winter, flowers bloom and green comes back. So here we are in this world of, tumultuous ups and downs and winters and summers and and with this song that he hasn't finished at the beginning of the the movie he can bring life back and so his new love is impressed and he she she agrees to marry him having never met they just had met but he's got this massive talent right as they meet it's summer it's beautiful persephone comes back in uh, above ground and it's it's that time spring and summer they're all drinking wine they're having an amazing time he's playing his music it's beautiful Persephone leaves and winter comes back. And so everybody's waiting for spring and summer. Everybody's waiting for this energy that 
he, Orpheus, can bring with his song. And so he goes all in on working. He's, work, he's doubly committed, triply committed to making this song a reality. And as he's working and paying attention to nothing else, and winter comes, his love almost dies because of hunger. Now, in the story, she's almost dying of real hunger, right? Like it's winter, there's no food, they're really poor, she's going to die of hunger. But it's pretty obvious that the subtext is she's also dying of neglect. He's not there. He's not paying attention. Every time she goes to talk to him, every time she goes to call out to him, he's working on this really, really important song that will realign the planets and bring life back into the way it's supposed to be with flowers and greenery all the time, right? That Haiti sort of screwed up for all of us. Hey everybody, it's Adi again, and I want to share with you something that I believe is one of the most useful free tools I've ever created for my clients and for you. It's our free personalized My Drinking Score report. Look, you already know that at Ignited, we don't care much for labels and we don't believe in any of those once a blah, 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 always a blah, blah, blah slogan. But if you are questioning your specific relationship with alcohol, you may be trying to figure out how to understand what you need to do and whether you're moving in the right direction. Well, then this completely free tool is for you and will give you the answers you're looking for. All you're gonna do is you're gonna take a five minute quiz answering simple questions that you know the answers to. And then like magic, our system is gonna spit out a custom report so that you can find out more about your relationship with alcohol and actually get guidance and help to some of the changes that you can individually make. I created this tool to give you a customized, personalized, virtual resource that you can take at any time and that makes it easy to get the exact recommendations and steps that you need to help eliminate your struggles. Anybody can take it and did I mention that it's completely 100% free? Well, it is. So stop running around in circles trying to figure out why you're having a hard time getting sober and get real solutions and guidance to help transform your life and get ignited forever. Just pause this audio right now and go to ignited.com forward slash go. Again, that's ignited.com forward slash go and take our five minute quiz right now. Find out what your drinking score is and then share it and tag us on Instagram or Facebook because remember, fuck shame. Together, we get to move forward and get better every day. So it's this real catch-22. Like, am I going to interrupt this guy from writing the song that may save the world, or am I going to starve? It's sort of this catch-22 that his new wife is, is caught in. And then a third option comes up, because Hades and Persephone are in a fight in the underground, and Hades offers her a ticket to hell, where she will never have to be hungry and she will never have to be cold. She probably should have read the fine print. Definitely not cold, but she's fighting. Am I going to, you know, my lover is there and he's not paying attention to me. He's not giving me what I need. Long story short, she takes the ticket. She goes to hell. And the rest, the second part of this um, play is about Orpheus going down to hell to bring her back. And the only reason he thinks he can even do this is because he's got this magical voice and this magical song that can bring things to life. He makes it to hell. I'm not going to bore you with the entire middle part of this play, but he kind of fucks shit up in, in hell. Like in a real, he screws everything up because he sings and people are happy all of a sudden and they have, they have ideas of freedom, but they're in hell and Hades won't let them out. 
And so Hades makes a deal with Orpheus and his wife that nobody thought he would make. He can't let them go because the king of hell, the ruler of hell would look really weak if just because some dude can sing really well, he goes, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Take your love who I now own and bring her back up. But he makes them this deal. He says, look, you didn't show up here on, in the real myth, it's the boat the, the, that takes you across the river Styx. You walked over here. I will let you walk back out of hell and I will let your wife follow you. But there's a catch. You have to trust each other enough that you will both make this trip. It's going to suck. It's going to be long. You're going to want to fail and stop many, many times in the middle. And you can't, Orpheus, you can't look back. Your wife can only walk behind you. She can't walk next to you. She can never touch you. She can't say anything to you. And so for this entire road, you have to walk forward, dealing with whatever trials, tribulation, hurdles you have to deal with with your own, never helping her, never catching her, never even checking if she's there. And so they have this little powwow, the two of them, like, can we do this? Like, can we trust that we're going to walk the road from hell back into, the, into our life and have enough trust in our relationship that we are going to make it out without ever checking in with each other, without ever breaking that trust? It's a tall order for any couple, right? Like, are you actually going to be here behind me as I, as I trudge out of hell? They walk all these tribulations. They almost die multiple times. She's right there behind him, trying, wanting to call him, but he can't hear anything she says. And they walk and they walk and they walk. And he's about to end, cross over the threshold from the road to hell back into life. In the last second, right before he crosses the threshold, he looks back to make sure she's there. And the moment he looks back, she gets pulled back into hell and he can never go back and get her. And I'm sitting there. First of all, I'm crying watching this freaking play with my kids next to me because it just reminded me of this human frailty of trust that we have so often in ourselves for sure, but also in other people, right? Here's this man who took on an incredible task, right? A task that I would argue the vast majority of people wouldn't even try. Take the metaphor in any way you want, but he went back to hell to bring the love of his life with him. That's how strong their love was, right? That's how much he loved her. He walked into hell to get her, got to deal with the devil to get her back, walked all the way back out of hell. And in the last second, right before he accomplished his task, in his heart, he wasn't quite sure that he had done it. And he was saying out loud, like, why would she follow me? Who am I, right? Why would this devil really let the love of my life walk behind me and not just steal her? And I'm doing all this shit for nothing. He's talking to himself the entire time. The, the doubt is seeping in. And as it builds and it builds and it builds, eventually it gives up. And he knows that if he looks back, he loses one way or another. She's either not there the whole time, and he's been a fool and been made fun of the entire time, or she is there and he's going to lose her. 
What's up, everybody? So glad that you've tuned in here today. You know, we bring you these recovery episodes to help anyone who's struggling with addiction or habits that don't serve them break free of the cycle using the latest research and the most effective strategies that I've found over my years of doing this and thousands of people I've helped. Obviously, we offer this free resource to you because I know that getting help is hard and I want to make it as easy as possible. So even if you never join our online hero program or come to our retreats or come and work with me individually, I want you to at least have access Access to the same powerful tools that have changed thousands of lives. If you like this and think it's useful, please give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or just wherever you're listening to this right now. It really helps get the word out about this free resource, which is important since my goal is to help over a million people. So thanks a lot for being part of the Ignited community. Now let's get you back to the help. It's a lose-lose proposition, but he can't help himself. He looks back. And all I could think about was all those times where any of us take on a really Herculean task, a really big thing in our lives that we, we feel like we have to accomplish. And if you're anything like me or anything like anybody I know, that little voice in the back of your head starts poking at you. Who do you think you are to get this done? Who do you think you are for other people to follow you in this or you know, to actually accomplish the task? Who do you think you are to believe that you are strong enough, you are big enough, you are important enough to get whatever this task is done. And oftentimes that doubt gets so big that we check ourselves and we stop, right? We stop ourselves from pursuing the big goal. We stop ourselves from making the dive into the really, really difficult growth opportunity we have to go through or in a more literal metaphor based on what they were talking about as we have to trudge these roads that are really difficult in relationship, we doubt ourselves, we doubt our partner so strongly, so harshly that it actually creates a fracture. It breaks up the trust in our relationship. And when they end the play, the guy, the, the, the MC who's Hermes, the, the God that gets you in the boat across the river Styx, he says, you know, we told you in the beginning, this is a, an old tale and it's a tragedy and it's a sad song. But we keep telling the sad song and we're going to keep telling it, right? We've been telling it for thousands of years and this is a retelling of it, but he's like literally telling you, like we've been talking about this for thousands of years. And yet as humans, we keep struggling with this thing. You know, I was thinking to myself, how often do we in relationship put ourselves in, in these kind of lose-lose situations, not because we want to, because there's something in our head that really almost invariably tells us this can't, this can't work out, right? That call it imposter syndrome, call it self-doubt, call it self-sabotage, call it negative self-esteem, shame, call it whatever you want. You got farther than you ever thought you would get. And yet something inside still says, yeah, yeah but I, I can't take the next step, right? Like the next thing is going to be too hard for me. And I, first of all, I don't think it's true. Right? I think we can achieve massive, incredible things that most of us don't give ourselves credit for. But I also know that we can't do it without other people. And we can't do it if we don't even trust in ourselves. Right? The idea of beating the odds when we don't even think we can beat the odds is the probability of that is minuscule. Now you're just talking about chance. Thank you for tuning in to the Ignited Heroes Recovery Podcast. I really hope you found the information here useful and that we'll see you back here next week. 
And look, I want to make sure that this podcast is the most useful it can be for you. So please let me know by emailing info at ignited.com if there are any specific topics or questions you'd like to have addressed. As usual, if you like this episode, I would love for you to leave us a five-star review and rating. Thanks and see you next week.